We are live. We are live. Welcome to Perspective Shift. We're actually really not live. We're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it doesn't have the same flow to it. I know. When I push the button, I'm like, we are live. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So uh, we got a, a great episode for you guys today. It is Halloween, October 31st. 2022. Yeah, why didn't we dress up today? We should have thought we about that. We should have absolutely dressed up for this episode. On? I know, right? We need to. Actually, we are dressed up. I'm Mike Kidless. <laughs> and, and I'm Frank <laughs> Daly. Thank you for we're joining switching. us on Perspective Shift. We are your hosts. <laughs> I we're like switching it. for the day. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, uh, Halloween's always an exciting time. It's a fun, you know, uh, um, uh, what, how should I say it? I I guess you can call it a holiday, you know, here, but um, still there's a lot of life. uh, There's a lot of good uh, story behind Halloween, too, as far as, you know, between the the world of the living and the dead is the thinnest on Hallow's Eve. Yeah. So there's some cool stuff that uh, relates to Halloween, but Frank and I are spending our Halloween morning going to talk to you guys all about a gentleman named Mr. Mr. Michael Singer. Yeah. And uh, we're excited to talk about Michael today. Um I I love Michael Singer's work, and so it's cool that we get to dive into him today. Where should we start, Frank? <clears throat> well, let's just start like uh, oh, let's give a little background of him. I think he was born in 1947. I wrote it down. Yep, 1947. He's from Florida. Um, yep. He um I, he was a young age. He um he started getting into the meditation and surrender. Like he had this moment where he realized. Um, it was close to like Eckhart Tolle too, in in the same the way they explain it, where he realized there was a voice inside of his head, but he wasn't that in which he was hearing. He was observing it, and then he went on this journey. And I think it was like around 1975, he bought a plot of land uh, right outside of Gainesville, Florida, mm-hmm. and um, started the Temple of the Universe. Yep, and he still runs it today. Every Sunday, I believe he has. I don't believe I know he does because yep. I heard him talk about it. Yep. Um, where he has a meditation, um, or he, they come to the temple, if you will, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So, and then obviously he wrote two books. Yes, one is the Untethered Soul, which I had read. Wow, it's um, it's probably I probably read that book about fifteen years ago. Okay, and I remember when I first read it, uh, I was at a house party, and I, I didn't know these people. I was firstly introduced went to house party, and I saw it talking to the guy who owned the house. We saw you in a conversation. He's like, oh, he's like, he's like, come into my library. And he goes into the library and he's pulling out all these books. And he goes, have you ever read this one? It was The Untethered Soul. I said, I did not. And he actually gave me the copy of it. Nice. Yeah. And it, what a great book. So, um, yeah. Cool. And then, um, and that came out in 2007, I believe. Yep. And, uh, and then the other one was The Surrender Experiment. I read that. Um, and that's just, a, it's kind of like, I don't want to say his autobiography, but it was him going through life, just everyday stuff, and then learning to surrender to it regardless of the outcome. It wasn't that he was, wasn't responsive to the world. Mm-hmm. You know, he turned, you know, he ended up running a multi-billion dollar company. He sold it for, I think, three to five billion. I forgot the number. Well, but that's, that's a cool thing about Michael Singer that I wanted to talk about with everybody in the audience is a, a lot of these different, you know, yogis or, you know, spiritual teachers and gurus, et cetera, you know, they're not seen uh, often in with it, like with a business sense, you know, and we like try to separate that and we're like, oh, yeah, 
you know, this is more a spiritual path and that's like a business path. There is no, that, that classification that uh, I'm referencing, that's all mind that, um, none of that, there's no, Oh, you're a spiritual person. Oh, you're a business person. Oh, you're this or you're that. That's all mind. And I think Michael Singer is a great, um, example of that because he did, you know, create this company, sell this company for billions with a B, billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, his both of his books that Frank just referenced, The Untethered Soul, as well as The Surrender Experiment, those are New York Times bestsellers. This gentleman was on Oprah. Um, he, you know, the very large presence. He's, this is a big, you know, um, as far as society would see it, um, he made a big splash. And not a lot or not many of the spiritual teachers or, you know, uh, gurus and these people that we talk about have made it to a certain level of notoriety that Michael Singer has. Well, Michael, he'll talk about this, too. It's because he got on Oprah. He never sought out like he he rarely leaves um, Gainesville. He rarely leaves the temple of um, the universe. So he doesn't travel around. He does very few interviews. He doesn't do a lot. He actually, because I was looking out there. He doesn't not, have a lot of content. No, he doesn't. So he's just living his life in that he's dealing with what's in front of him, and that's actually what he teaches, and he, and he actually practices it every day. And when you start to listen, like when I, for me, when I read the book 15 years ago, I was like, this is very interesting. Intellectually, it was great, but I wasn't really practicing, or I would practice it momentarily, where it's pretty much you're separating yourself about that noise and that those thoughts coming into your mind aren't yours. They're, they're somewhere else and you don't have to respond to them. And the way I look at it, like the way he explains it, is if you just let those thoughts in the mind pass you by, it's like watching a three-year-old kick and scream. If you just sit there and observe and don't respond to it, eventually the three-year-old stop and try a different way of dealing with life. So we, we actually don't pay attention to our mind. The mind starts to quiet. And it's a very simple practice. Like I do so many other practices that are seemingly more convoluted. And what I mean it's simple is I could literally be driving in my car and I feel something come up. And I just, I don't need to close my eyes. I don't need to put any particular music on. I just witness it. I'm like, all right, let's witness like I'm watching a movie. But I'm not letting the, the movie pull me in with the the unwanted feelings. Mm-hmm. And then I just watch it and all of a sudden... You can almost feel something pop when you do that. And the energy starts to flow again, the thoughts. And the more you do this, the less of what we consider to be the disturbances of negative thoughts. And sometimes I don't even attach to positive thoughts because I attach to the moment what's in front of me. My reality is if I'm driving a car, that's my reality. <laughs> I can't be thinking about when I get to work, when I get here, because if I do, I get disturbed, even if it's something good. Like... You know, we all know this, like uh, kids that are getting ready to go to Disneyland and it's like, um, you know, the day before, they're so disturbed they can't sleep because mm-hmm. they're out of their minds. It's excitement. But Same thing ex- before Christmas. Yeah, and then they Same wake thing up, before Halloween. Yeah, and they wake up cranky. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, uh, so if you just let that go, bo- go on, and obviously when the time comes when you actually show up in the next moment, you'll be present in that moment. You won't be looking for the next moment. And that is the human, uh, that's the condition that all humans have, and this is what creates all disease. We don't realize as we start to slow down our brain think, our, our um, brain patterns by thinking less, the moment becomes a beautiful place, regardless if it's raining, sunny, 
your car has a flat tire, it doesn't matter. Um, actually, one of the things that really struck me when I wrote, uh, read um, the uh, Surrender Experiment was you find out that when he wrote The Untethered Soul, his company was being... Um, it was under investigation by the FBI. I'm glad you bring this up. Frank and I were talking about yeah. this off air before we started, and I thought this was a great topic. So, yeah, chat yeah. a little more about that. So, can you imagine running a, a, a big company? I forgot how, 100 and something employees. It's a software company. Um, it, it's mainly, um, from what I understand, it, he wrote a... Like an algorithm uh, or something? Yeah, well, a program for, um, for medical billing. Okay. All right, so it's in that field. So he wrote it himself, uh, I think, he, when he was – I heard him tell the story, like, when he was younger, he went into a Radio Shack, and there was a personal computer there, so he bought it, and he's like, oh, this looks cool. And so he took it home and started messing around with it, and there was no real books on coding, so he pretty much figured out how to code, and over time, he developed the software. Okay. So now this company's huge, he's, and he's building more buildings right on that land that he purchased, so he keeps – yeah. He keeps building. And, I heard he adds on to it. Yeah. yeah, he keeps adding on to it. And the money would show up when it needed to. So he was very highly functional, very businesslike, but he was doing it not from the go-getter, the uh, like, I got to do this, I got to do that. He didn't have goals. It just happened that he ended up running a multi-billion dollar uh, company. Mm-hmm. And he accepted that. He didn't push away. Says, this is not who I am. I'm a spiritual person. I'm supposed to be meditating and staring at uh, a leaf or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, he doesn't do that. Matter of fact, running his business at that higher level was his spiritual practice everything we do is a spiritual practice and he, and he talks about that you know he talks about <coughs> hey you, you know yeah uh, the the separation between that two and, and I, I think that's important because a lot of people um we think you're either this or that you know uh, i'm either a business person and i'm locked into this third dimension and i can't have any spiritual sense etc i just got to make money and that's not the case and Michael Singer is a perfect example of that. Yeah, I believe if you think that way, what happens is we always separate things. When I'm doing this, I, so spirituality for a lot of people is just Sunday, going mm-hmm. to church. But if you don't take it, if you're not, you know, you're a spiritual being having, like they say, human experience. So if you take that spirituality with you everywhere you go, those human experiences will be delightful. But if you wait till Sunday to have the experience like this is where you you know and that's why people can't wait for Sunday a lot of times because they're so exhausted by Saturday that uh, you know because they didn't practice letting go and surrendering mm-hmm. and uh, you know and, and as he talks about in the surrender experiment which is very interesting is during the time when his company was being investigated for embezzlement or um, you know and I think it turns out it was one of his employees who did it and then when he got um, caught, he actually turned. He said it was uh, Michael. Okay, and so he blamed it on Michael Singer. Yeah, and it, the investigation went on for six years. So it wasn't like it, it wasn't. You know, I don't think they ever went to court. But he said it went on for six years. So it was in his preview. For, I mean, like in his peripheral mm-hmm. for for six years. That's a lot. But uh, no, this intense. that's that in that period. That's when he actually wrote the Untethered Soul. See, that's cool. So he was already practicing this. Um, this way of living. And when he's asked, I heard a multitude, I heard Oprah ask him this, uh, Tony Robbins even asked him when they interviewed with him. And he goes, weren't, weren't you like pissed? He goes, nope. He goes, I was just watching it like I was watching a movie. And it took, six, so it's he, what he's pretty much saying is, it's not that th- bad things, what we consider to be bad things or disturbances aren't going to happen. You just don't get pulled down by them. Mm-hmm. And when you start practicing these 
principles and they are basic and simple they really are it's just where i'm right here me and mike are on this podcast right now talking into mics Mm -hmm. and we have a camera so we don't even know who's watching but if i start thinking like i gotta end the show early because uh, i gotta meet with somebody at 12 o'clock all of a sudden i'm not present Mm -hmm. and it changes my it changes the way i feel it it short circuits my feeling and all of a sudden now i'm speeding up and mispronouncing things and Mm -hmm. and you know that's uh, it The, the mind the mind we trip over the mind yeah we do now, the mind is a brilliant instrument. He'll talk about this, too. Like, the mind understands and learned a language, uh, understands the things around us, money, you know, whatever. I don't have to keep relearning that every day. Mm-hmm. What the mind is when it gets poor is when it's taking over. So it's like, say your mind is an employee and you're the master or the master. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're the owner of the business and you keep listening to the employee to tell them what to do. That's when things go wrong. But when you train the mind to be like, no, you're the employer. This is your job. Do it well. We'll interact, but do it well. And when you do that, the employee goes off and is silent and does their work. And then the business owner um, knows how to conduct their business. So there's a part of us that is the master, and the mind is just the servant. Mm -hmm. And if we learn to uh, contain that, it gets quiet on its own. It, it really, we don't have to, it's not about just shutting it out. It literally quiets down. And I notice my thoughts quiet down. And when thoughts do pop up, I just step back, let them run through. And I can tell when they pop up. It's not that noise in my head. I can feel it in my body. I feel like a weird disturbance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like if you're running water through a faucet and all of a sudden, or a hose, and all of a sudden the water stops coming out. It's like, okay, what's going on? Oh, there's a kink in the hose. <laughs> You know, that's what it is. And what, so that disturbing thought is a kink. So I have, how do I release it? Just, you know, just step back, look at it, straighten the hose out, boom. And then the water starts flowing and feel, it feels good again. But I don't sit there and think, how did that kink get in the hose? I'm like, <laughs> it doesn't matter how But that, that's out. where we get caught up in life. If yeah. we, we do go, why is this hose kinked? You know, who kinked this? They kinked this on purpose. You, you see what I'm saying, guys? Yeah. In just in general life, that's where the mind goes. We start to, you know, uh, the, the people wanted to do this to me, you know, or of course this happened. Of course, my host gets kinked. You know, this, you know, my whole life this has happened to me. It's it's that inner self talk that that keeps us stuck. Um, I want it wasn't Michael Singer, but I once heard somebody talking about how we are hosts. That we are hosts, and these thoughts that come through, they're not our thoughts. And because we we are this host, and we can experience and feel a thought, you know, and think more about it or less about it, that we uh, begin to identify with it. And so, when you can see yourself more as a host of multitudes of thoughts, you're no longer you no longer have to. Um, become so attached to an individual thought. Yeah. Like crazy thoughts come up all the time. I don't know about you guys, but like I'll be driving down the road sometimes. And I'm like, you know, like you ever get to like the side of a cliff or something and you're like, what if I just fell off? <laughs> you know, but you think about weird stuff yeah. in your head. Remind me not to drive the car with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. You know what I mean. No, no, just... You so know what I mean. That was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not right with you. Yeah. But but we have these weird thoughts that come up in yeah. our heads, you know, like or at least I do. Yeah. You no. know, my whole life where I'm just like, oh, that was weird. But <laughs> Imagine if I attached to that. Oh, oh yeah. my God. You know, I definitely would try to call with you. 
<laughs> but I, yeah. I mean, we think about thoughts that you've had. I'm sure everybody has had these thoughts where you're like, whoa, that is so weird. And it has a number of, uh, of things to do with that, you know, like how, um, where you're at, um, where you're located, who you're surrounded with. We're, we're picking up on all these energy and frequencies, you know, that we have, that we can't see with the naked eye, you know, but we can feel them and we choose what we host. And we do not choose or we do not need to identify with the thoughts and become the thoughts. And that's really what's at the crux of everything Michael Singer is teaching, which is, hey, look, your mind is an awesome – I think he calls it like an appliance. He's like, <laughs> it's an appliance. He does. He's like yeah. – he refers to it as an mind, appliance. Mind's a toaster. <laughs> you know? But, but it's true. When you can look at the mind not as you, which we've done our whole lives – and look at it as the tool, the instrument that you get to, you know, uh, pick and choose from, uh, that you have control over. That that's when um, the separation occurs, and you can step away from these negative mind patterns, negative thought patterns that you felt your whole life, and go, wait a second, I've thought A, B, and C my whole life hasn't gotten me anywhere. What what if I give up A, B, and C? Yeah. What what if I try? Uh, you know, D, E, and F now. Yeah. We have that ability. Yeah, and actually, you know, when you, you start off the conversation with um, somebody said this about the thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Michael Singer talks about this. and um, Does he? Yeah. He'll talk about, like, so you look at uh, human civilization. So just, you know, different, um, you know, different anthropologists will tell you from history, like, okay, civilization's been around 30,000 years, maybe 60,000 years has changed. It doesn't matter. So the thoughts that are running through our head are a culmination of 60,000 years of human history. And the reason we do have like thoughts of I'm driving near a cliff is because you watched a movie where someone drove off a cliff. Yeah. So they really aren't our thoughts. They're implied or pushed in. So we have all these possibilities. Just like when I turn on the radio, I've, you know, right now if I go to, like I say, a Spotify, uh, by the way, perspective shifts on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> Quick plug. Uh, <laughs> But if I go to Spotify, any song that's ever been recorded is already playing on there, but I can only get the one. So it's now we're choosing. But can you imagine Spotify's uh, system malfunctioned and I'm driving in my car or listening to and all of a sudden every song just came on at once or parts of the songs kept coming in? How aggravating would that be? Mm -hmm. Or you were forced to listen to a song you didn't want to. Yeah, exactly. You get attached to it, and it's just constant, constant. So next thing you know, you're not getting the rhythm of the music in which you're trying to get into. It's taking over. But yet, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. And so Great the, mind, analogy of the, the mind. mind is like that. But when we, we allow it to go amok or we listen to it too long, it will keep, oh, my God. Yeah, you know, Frank's higher mind is, is listening to me. So let me let me speak more. Let me say more. Let me say more. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> Frank needs to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And when you just observe it, you look at it, and, like, all of a sudden, you watch it really quiet. When you watch a three-year-old kick and scream, if you just sit there in your chair and hold your ground, nothing's going to happen to a three-year-old in five minutes. Trust me. And all of a sudden, they stop crying because you're not responding. Like, and to them, the organism of who they are, realize, okay, this isn't working. And you get quiet. And all of a sudden, they get quiet. Then I go over and address the situation. What is it? Oh, I'm hungry. Okay, here you go. And all, all of a sudden, you're training the three-year-old not to kick and scream, but to say, I'm hungry. 
Mm. Okay, we can we can deal with this. And that's how we slow down the thinking mind. And his, um, you know, Michael Singer writes about this brilliantly in Untethered Soul. And obviously he experiences it in the uh, Surrender Experiment. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I, don't, I know he doesn't like to call this autobiography, but it is his life's journey through that period of time from, from like 1975. And Speaking up, of his life journey, one cool little tidbit that when we were chatting earlier today that we, we touched on, but um, I've, I've seen a couple interviews with Michael where, and there's a great interview, by the way, guys. I don't know if anybody out there listens or watches that show, The Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory is super funny. It's an awesome television show. But um, uh, Sheldon, the main scientist, dude, his girlfriend um, interviews him. Not not as the, that character, but she has a podcast. <laughs> it's not know, on Big Bang. And she interviews Michael Singer um, because she read his book, Untethered Soul. And it was a huge awakening moment for her. So she invited him on to speak on her personal podcast, which has a ton of listeners and viewers. Um but on that podcast, as well as others, she asks him about his past. And he he very, very rarely talks about his past. And I thought that was very, very telling, you know, in multi, multiple interviews. And it's because your past is is a, a series of narratives. And it's the stories in which you want to carry with yourself. As soon as something happens and it's over, it's it's over. You know, uh, never again, or is that energy going to align the exact same way and it's going to happen like it did? And so him not going and dredging up this past or having to talk about his past is a is a very big statement for for those watching. And it's because a lot of us at home feel like we need to bring our past with us everywhere. We, we need to bring our past into a relationship. Ah, you know, I'm so worried about dating because well, as soon as we start dating, I got to explain my litany of problems to this new partner. And, you know, they're going to judge me. And No, you, you don't. You, you really don't need to do that. Yeah. And one of the reasons he doesn't talk about his past prior to, you know, getting into what we call the temple of the universe where he now resides and, you know, runs it is because he doesn't want people to relate to, oh, this is why he's spiritual. Yep. He was beaten as a child. And I'm just throwing this out there. It's not what happened to him. So when people tell this story, everyone's relating to that part of it. It's like, well, that hasn't happened to me, so therefore spirituality can't come upon me. All mine. No. It could be you stubbed your toe. I know a lot of people became spiritual, had brilliant um, you know, upbringings, and some had horrible upbringings. But it had nothing to do with the upbringing. It had to do one day they were just tired of listening to their mind. Yeah. And that's why he doesn't go back in the past because that's just it's not relatable. You don't need to know about that. Just stick forward. It's not important. Yeah. In fact, Pe- people to give get, it any importance would yeah. be the mind. Exactly. People still get hung up on that. So they want to know the history and the biography of this person. Well, it's like, not it's that we get practice. hung up on we're we're fucking trained that way. Yeah. You know, we're like you my favorite example, you know, when you told me about what happened, you know, growing up when you came home from school, you sit at your dinner table and your parents would say, How was your day? Oh great. Yeah. Why? We have been trained our whole lives to explain why or how and categorize it, you know, and identify it. And True freedom is letting go of all that yeah. and understanding that you can just be in this moment, experiencing this now with no, how did this happen? What's next? What's to come? Um, it, 
dissecting and taking apart every given situation. Is this person enjoying themselves? Am I enjoying myself? Would I, would I rather be somewhere? You know, all these little different things. This is why we're so exhausted. This is why we're tired. This is why we're burnt out. Um, we're, we're so, we're so swallowed by the mind. We're, we're like all literally drowning in our thoughts at all times. And, and we don't understand that we can come up and take a breath of fresh air and we don't have to have any mind. In fact, the mind is a servant. The mind is our servant. It is our appliance. It is our tool. And as soon as we start to look at the mind and thoughts like that, then we no longer associate or identify with them. Oh, I'm in a bad mood today because I had A, B, and C thoughts. Oh, because I thought about my mom passing and I, you know, uh, my bills are due and, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to have enough money to go out to, you know, the bar this weekend. Whatever. You've created a story and now you won't allow yourself to enjoy a moment because of thoughts. Yeah. And, and as soon as we can get out of this funk of, you know, um, uh, the mind controlling how we experience that's 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 the key. Yeah. And this is too. We're not saying here, and Michael Singler certainly does not say this, like if you do lose a loved one, sit with it. Of you, course. You, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna experience sadness. It's not about getting to a point where you're like, oh well, let's go get a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not it's it's not allowing the mind to take over. It's actually sitting there in the field of what we call um uh you know, sadness. If you just sit with it, it will teach you something. But the mind isn't taking over. You're just witnessing it. You're feeling the, the, the missing of them. But you're not thinking about it. It's a difference. Because you don't want to have to overcome something. Like, I'm strong because I overcame this. I'm like, okay, now that you're strong, if you had to overcome something to get to the next level, how are you going to overcome this? You have to have something bad happen to you for, to overcome it again? But that's not how life is what to live. Because then you're going to purposely put... Um, obstacles in your way just to get hurt so it can heal. I'm like, no, I'm like, that's ridiculous. Things, things will happen, but I'm not, I don't want to be part of placing them in there. I just want to respond to them in the moment in which I'm in and not do it through, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I'm like, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. You know, one thing we all know is uh, I haven't met a human being that came to realization that they're not going to pass away. They may argumentatively like, I'm going to live to 200. I'm like, all right, go for it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm, who am I here to say that can't be done? But that's what keeps me alive. That's what keeps me in the moment, understanding that everything is fleeting in which I'm experiencing. So experiencing mourning of a death of someone is still fleeting. So if it's fleeting, I want to immerse myself in it as best I can, just like a great actor does. A great actor, just when they go cut, psh, they go off and they get the donuts or whatever it is as they go into the green room. Mm-hmm. And then action, they go right back into the role. So understanding that that's who we are. Don't get caught up in it. Just step away. You are the actor, not the role in which the actor is pursuing or pers- uh, the persona of the actor of the part they're uh, pursuing. You are that witnessing of that. When you step step away from that, you life becomes so more. It flows. It flows. It, it becomes glorious, even when these things that we consider to be bad happen. Someone dies. Yes, you mourn, but really, get into it. Like, wow, this is going to flee because anyone that knows that lost anybody, they talk about the pain. The pain. They say over time, pain heals itself. It's what over time what happens. 
is the perspective of your life continues changing. It doesn't mean you're not sad 30 years later. It's just that you don't sit there and harbor it. You don't think about it. It's just there's nothing wrong with feeling or emotion. No, that's important to growth. That's important to you know learning and remembering you know who you are. Yeah, and what this experience is. Yeah, but like the emotion of anxieties to me when anxiety comes up, that's more of a um, an alarm system. It means you're thinking of the future way too much. Depression is you're thinking of the past way too much. Mm -hmm. But these other emotions are supposed to be felt fully. Like there's nothing like this amazing. Like, and I imagine everyone listening here has experienced it sometime to where something hits you so beautifully to where you feel so good, euphoric, but you're crying. Tears are coming down your eyes. So those are brilliant heightened emotions. But then you can have, you could look at someone crying and they have fear ripped in them. They're, what's happening inside hurts. You know, just because someone died, <clears throat> crying is going to happen, but <clears throat> there could be this electromagnetic field running through your body as you're crying, but yet you're lightening yourself up. It, it could be the most amazing thing in the world. doesn't mean you start laughing afterwards. You just, it's, There's you're, a bunch you're of... really truly experiencing the feeling when you actually get into this uh, place of surrender. And there's some cool, <clears throat> excuse me, there's some cool science behind that too. Like I've heard, I've read and heard stuff about, you know, how crying, you know, allows our body to detoxify, you know, and detox certain toxins and stuff like that. And so look at these feelings that come up and what happens with them. It's us, it's us clearing. It's us, you know, clearing for the new, it's us recharging, you know, uh, refilling our cup. And that, um, that's what we need to celebrate is that we have the ability to do this. Um, instead of pushing away these feelings of pain or sorrow or anything like that, let's sit with them. You know, let's learn from them. Let's grow with them. That's a much healthier way of, of moving forward. And you will thank yourself and feel better too. Yeah. So that's like, obviously the surrendering part is like when you surrender, it's not giving up. It's quite the opposite. It actually brings you to the present moment. Because, you know, if say society's been around or human consciousness or, you know, humans been around for 60,000 years. So Wait, how long? It depends who you talk to. Uh -huh. Say 30,000, 60,000. Uh, I'd say, say the earth's been around here for 4 billion years. Okay. So right now what's happening to me and Mike is a culmination of 40 billion years. So how the hell are we supposed to know? It's, how are we supposed to think about this? Mm-hmm. It just happened. How am I supposed to think about it? Yeah, there are certain tools that the mind uses, like learning the English language, learning how to count, know what right and left is, all these type of things that get me through the day. But when I'm talking, I'm not thinking. I'm just talking. And energy's coming through me, and I'm speaking a way. I studied and read Michael's, uh, Michael Singer's books and stuff like that, and I listened to him. But I'm not thinking. I'm in this nice homeostasis place of information coming out. I'm not, I didn't, pre-talk about this write it down I'm not memorizing anything and then I could feel it and also I've known when I've done podcasts when I start thinking I get this weird feeling and when I get that weird feeling I gotta drop it because the podcast is gonna I know be exactly what I you're talking do that. about that's just you thinking that, I know that feeling yeah, too whenever I, I start to think when I'm yeah. in this setting is when I'm like oh what do I need to say or what, what should I bring up now? no that's yeah. when you start tripping yeah yeah. you know life is just spontaneously happening in front of you and you've been you've been here on this planet long enough to know that you could respond to it.
not react. And people, uh, our audience at home can relate to this. Think about Think like better. when you're having a, <laughs> when you're having a conversation or an awkward moment or stuff like that. It's it's because you're in your head too much. Yeah, you're wondering how do I look? You know, are my clothes okay? Is this going to be a good time? You you get caught up in the mind, and then that's when you're tripping all over yourself, yeah. and you're and you're ugh, you know oh this is weird, and you're judging yourself, and you start feeling that weird pull. If you were to to simply say, hey. I'm going to be so present in this moment. I'm going to let all of those feelings fall away. Then you like, it's it's like stepping into a new you and there's like this sense of calm, peace, um, confidence, knowing. Um, it becomes genuine is yeah, what it does. It's, yeah. it's, it's genuine way of living is by surrendering to the moment which you're in. It And like to reiterate, Michael Singer ran a multi-billion dollar company. So it's not like he was just off in the woods uh meditating and staring at birds mm-hmm. um you know he he did that too but he but did. he also like because people are worried that they're not going to be functional in society I'm like yeah. you can be highly functional right that now that was you're a concern for functional. me that was a big concern yeah like concern actually for me. most people that think they're functional are actually making a muck of things right mm-hmm. like yeah like i'm doing this i'm doing that and i'm like maybe you still a little less doing the, the, those <laughs> who are truly functional yeah. quote unquote functional yeah. life are the ones running this race so tired Wondering how they can get off. Yeah, they're there, banging into every tree is what they're doing as they're running. Yeah. Um, and I and the reason I could say this is I was once that that individual that was doing that. I would kept you know I was tenacious. I had great willpower, and I'm like, what am I doing? And it was like even if I got the outward result I wanted, I was too tired to even enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's got to be more to this. And then you know, books like Michael Singer's. Um, uh, the untethered soul is like wow okay and then it was cool to know like okay this guy um from the from the outlook of human civilization especially here in america this man was highly successful yep. in a business so you don't have to negate that either but that's not the goal that's not the goal <laughs> he, yeah. he'll tell you it's like this book is not about becoming a billionaire it's no, not no, about no. that at all it's about surrendering and enjoying the life that's in front of you we are i believe we are actors that came here, we signed a contract with a with a role to play, and we get the script. But how we read the script, how we act on the set with our other actors, that's up to us. There's something to think about. You just read the script, and you know you feel it. Okay, this feels good. Let me do this. The director will direct you. If you listen to the director, the movie turns out great. If you don't, director's cut. Uh, what seems to be the problem? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so this is you become the director of the mind. And when the mind's not, you know, when the mind's going off on a tangent, cut. Okay, what are we doing here? You know, let it rattle off. And then action, go back into using the mind for the purpose of which it was here, to function in the physical world, to recognize things, but not to think about them. You know, it it doesn't know to think about it because it's never been here. It's only been yesterday or the moment before. How can it think? I'd say we jump into a clip. All right, here we go. The only thing that keeps you from absolute freedom is yourself. So while you think that freedom means the freedom to get what you want, the freedom to do what you want, the freedom to be where you want, the financial freedom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you're still very lost, and you will never know freedom. And it's not the freedom to merge with God and to go deep into meditation. While that's what you're thinking, you're still thinking. 
it is when you become really, really clear, and it takes a real long time. And you just see, you know, this thinking stuff is way overrated. It's really not done me much good, and it's really not doing me much good. It's sort of like I'm working for my mind. My mind decides I'm not okay. And the moment it decides I'm not okay, guess what? I'm not. My mind decides this will make me okay. And guess what happens? The moment it decides this will make me okay, and that starts to happen, I am okay. It's like the mind's psychic or something. It just knows everything. That's what it would like you to think. But the truth of the matter is, this is the type of psychic that your mind is. I see water being dumped on your head as it picks up the water and dumps it on your head. I was right. No, that's not a psychic. That's not a psychic at all. Your mind is sitting there closing you because it doesn't like what's happening. And then it says, see, I told you you wouldn't like this. And your mind is sitting there opening so that you can feel the flow of the Shakti when it gets what it wants. And then the mind is saying, see, I told you that's what you wanted. That's what you come to know about the mind. It controls your state of being. So freedom cannot possibly be to get what the mind wants because you are bound by the mind's wants and not wants. And freedom cannot possibly be, and this is a tough one for people, to be free to merge into God. Why? Why are you not free? You're not free because of your mind. So if you have a mind that's keeping you not free, and then the mind is saying, I know the answer. We need to learn to meditate. We need to merge into God. We need to go to India. You know you're in trouble when your mind starts telling you how to get to God. That is a sure sign that you are in deep trouble. But that's what the mind does. So a wise, mature being comes to see, I am the problem. There is no other problem. I am the only problem. My personal mind is the cause of every single problem I have. It's the cause of my problems in my personal life. It's the cause of every problem I have in this world with everybody and everything. And it is the reason that I cannot naturally merge with God. So the problem is me. Once you come to know this so deeply that all you ever want is freedom from yourself. <laughs> like how he said that. Isn't that great? Yeah, I need to go to India. Yeah. It's well, true. The mind tells us, you know, I must yeah. do this in order to have this, yeah. and then I'll be happy. Yeah. Like, we've all lived through this. We all said, okay, I'm going to go to college. After I go to college, I'm going to get this job, and then I'm going to get the house, and then I'm going to have that partner, and then our kids. And then we get there, and we go, what the hell? Next, is, <clears throat> next up is midlife crisis. And that's the reason we do that because it temporarily distracts us. So if you feel like your life is out of control and you want to become spiritual and here in the West, we think going to India is the best thing for spirituality because all the Eastern philosophies came out of there and you go there, the traveling there will momentarily distract you because you're in the unknown really. And all of a sudden you start feeling good. But what happens, you run into a guru, the guru starts telling you stuff that sounds like nonsense and then the guru says, go home. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what happened? Because the guru knows that it doesn't matter where you are. We're on a round planet. You're focused on the outside world. India is outside of us. 
the state in which Michael's talking about is within. It doesn't matter where you are. You could be sitting on your couch. You could sit in an alleyway. It doesn't yep. matter. Sitting in your yeah. car on your way to yeah. work. Wherever you are, wherever you go, there you are. Remember that statement that we heard? It doesn't matter where. So you're going to take yourself. Yeah, temporarily, you're going to distract yourself because you're doing something new. And the mind's like, oh, my God, we're doing something new. I don't even have to talk about it yet. So it keeps quiet. It's like, oh. Then all of a sudden it goes to India. Now it comes back and tells his friends how great India is and all this stuff. And, and you, you guys know, have and to go like, to India. And then you're all like, what the Shut the hell up. Right? I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm talking about. And that's the mind. Mm-hmm. And Michael Singer brilliantly, you know, well, he, he nails it. One of my favorite lines out of this clip is he says, thinking is so overrated <laughs> thinking is so overrated and it's true it yeah. is so true and i was actually having this conversation with my brother you know over uh the, this weekend he was chatting with me and he's you know um trying to buy this new laptop and he really wants to buy this new macbook and stuff and it's driving him nuts because he's like he's also saving for a house and you know he's got a couple things that he's working on but he's like he really wants this laptop and i can just see it you know every time he's talking he's he's creating you know these different stories about what he'll do with it and how it's going to improve his business and guys we do this about everything if when we want something we come up with all these and what's going on is the ego is creating a certain narrative that allows us to feed into these wants you know and then we get it and it's great for you know a week two weeks a month and then we go back to that same feeling and that's what he's talking about in this is like you can create this idea of what you want in your head and as you're getting it you can go yeah this is it yeah this is it but really what you're doing is you're just aligning with your mind and creating peace with the story that you're playing in your head and you can do that with any situation so you could just as much say oh, I don't need this type or I don't need this simulation or I don't need this uh, uh, personal property or whatever it is. I don't need this in order to find happiness. And then you're in an equilibrium with your with your thoughts. So it's learning how the mind works. And uh, we're always going to set these little shiny goals. And then we, we work to achieve them. And as we're achieving them, it feels great. And during it and when we achieve it, oh, yes, you know, I did it. I'm finally there. I'm finally happy. Wait, what happened? Yeah. I have the house. I've got the dog. I just had the child. It felt good for a little bit because during that little bit of time, you were allowing yourself to feel good. You were allowing yourself to to be at the uh, baseline of the mind going, yep, this is what I wanted. And you can create that same baseline or that same effect in any given, circum- in any given circumstance simply by saying to myself, hey, look, life's unfolding. I'm so grateful. You know, I'm I'm so lucky to be in this moment. What this this moment could lead me to, you know, this unknown moment that I that that could be the best moment of my life. The the next best the next five minutes could lead me to the best moment of my life, and we could live in that state. And but that feel that it. means that is the best moment of your life before the next five minutes. Yeah, he's doing that, and that's what, also to what Mike isn't saying. I like the way he put this, but he's also not saying that. Like going back to his brother's story, if his brother didn't think about it. You're going to get, like, when you're in a state of surrender, you get these impulses, act on them. Buy the laptop. But if you think about buying the laptop and you create a narrative, a story, and then you buy the laptop, and a week later, something doesn't fit the narrative, you have buyer's remorse. This happens to a lot of us. Yeah, but do not create a narrative. Just get an impulse to buy it. Like, okay, like uh, Michael Singer talks about that. He worked, (laughs) talk about computing, he walked into. Um, I believe it was like a uh, Radio Shack and saw a personal computer and just had an impulse to buy it. He didn't think about it. He just bought it. Mm-hmm. 
And when you look at his stories, like that was the onset of him starting a software company. But he wasn't like a goal. I got to start a software company. Where do I go? Got to go to Radio Shack. No, he was just passing by Radio Shack. I'm like, oh, that looks really interesting. So when you're in this state of presence, of surrender, also get impulses, act on them, buy the house, get that car, get this, but stop putting a narrative to it. Because if you do, the, the house, the car, the outside world will turn in on you. It will. Because we, we, we said, okay, I got this, so I'm gonna, it's going to make my business better. And a year later, your business is better, so you're blaming the goddamn laptop. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we, we do <laughs> this. We do this the all the time. On the laptop. Cause, yeah, because we have... We do that. Yeah, That's cause a I even, common, yeah, I why even, a lot of businesses fail. And I even use the understanding when I'm talking here, and people have heard this, so I can't lie about it, that the word preference and non-preference. When you get into surrender, you actually start to surrender even preference and non-preference, and everything becomes, uh, quote-unquote, preferential because we don't know like we're on this amazing ride it doesn't mean we have control over the way we respond to it and interact with it but also when you loosen up even your preferences life becomes easier i know like when i got married it's like or before i was married was you know with karen for like 10 years probably to get married but Mm -hmm. i don't like i would have preferences like strong preferences for, for no reason at all and they would get into arguments like okay um you know, people and people do this. You're like, "Hey, where do you want to go for eat?" I'm like, "Okay, I, I got to pick a preference so I win this battle." And then all of a sudden, let's go here, let's go there. No, let's go here. And all of a sudden, like, fine, we'll go where you want to go because <laughs> <laughs> I had to give my preference. And the truth is, I don't care. You know, my bo- I can wherever restaurant I go to, I can find something to eat. And if I go to a restaurant and they only have one little dish that's that's this big. It, my body's probably like, well, that's all you need tonight. <laughs> and and I remember when I first started doing that with Karen, she's like, she's like, do you not care? I'm like, oh, I, I love the experience of going out, but I don't have a heavy preference at all. All right? Now, if she didn't have a preference, I'd be like, okay, let's go here. Yeah, yeah. And like, why are we going there? I'm like, because it just chopped into my mind. Let's just go. I'm like, let's see what happens. And you have... You end up having tremendous fun, but when I think about if I go here, wow! Oh, remember last time I went there and it was uh, there might be it might be crowded. It's too late. Oh, it's it's Friday night. Yeah. All of a sudden, let, let's just get let's just go make make something. Yeah. Now home. we're going to grab <laughs> now, Chipotle. Like, yeah. You know. Now it's like I don't want to go to Chipotle. You know, wait in line. But, but that, I, it, that right there, that is oh what happens God. to so many people. You we do that star- all the time. Yeah, you end you up know? starving. Yeah, we're like, oh, <laughs> we want to eat all this, and we're thinking so much that finally it's eight o'clock, and we're like, screw it, I'm going to McDonald's. Yeah. You know, and there's another way of looking at it. Like when you get into that surrendered state, that really play state, you you're guided down the river in which you jumped into. You purposely jumped into it. You'll play the role perfectly. And remember, we we came here uh, wanting this experience, and most of the time we're denying it. But like, what you kind of asked for this? How we view it, how we look at it, can alter the way it looks. But you know. The planet's the planet. You got eight billion people on here. Everyone like, oh, life is great. I'm like, are you ca- are you crazy? Have you been watching? You, you see that thing that guy said the other day? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's brilliant that anyone can speak their mind. But why are you getting upset at what that person said? Mm-hmm. Why are you allowing one person to take down you and a whole cultural people? Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. When you do that, that's what, how the Hitlers are created. But when you don't listen to their nonsense. And then go about your day. It's not sticking your head in the sand. You move towards your direction. It's when you get the fear. Because when you get scared, what happens is somebody could, oh, someone will come in and attract themselves to the fear and they call them the dictator. 
because no one could take over someone that isn't fearful. But people are like, I'm scared something's going to happen, so i got to do something. I'm like, well, you're in the state of fear. So these are physics problems. They're not psychological. Well, it, they turn into psychological problems. But if you look at physics, when, you, when you're scared, there's going to be a magnetism against it that's going to be the thing that you're going to be scared of. But when you're joyous, there's going to be magnetism to the thing that you're joyous to. It's a physics problem. And we turn into a, a social uh, problem, and we do. And so people like try to argue about this, and they've done it before. I'm like, you're actually making my argument better, but but you're just choosing the place that's what, what I consider non-preferential to you. But I'm like, you're, you're actually making my point because we get to choose that. When you surrender, you could see everything is equal. Then you give it light. Then you give it meaning from that place. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. But why would you choose something that was against you? And Because this can happen. I'm like... That's your mind saying this can happen. It really is. The mind is a crazy lunatic up there. It is. Yeah. (laughs) Jump into the next clip. There are many, many different ways to look at the mind. We're going to look at it in a very unique way this evening, but very, very helpful. Your body eats. You eat. You feed your body. Every one of you know that depending on what you feed it, it affects how it feels. You feed it drunk, it feels drunky. You feed it the right amount and balance, it feels good. Your mind is the same. Your mind is a thing. You're to see it as a thing. I wish you could just put it out here like a machine, like a computer. If you feed your mind drunk, it spits out junk. If you feed it healthy, positive things, nice things, it spits out nice things. It's just a thing. We're just too close to our minds, so we don't see it as a thing. We make a gross mistake. Somehow we see our minds as us. Your mind is not you. You are the one who has a mind. You are the one who can make the mind do what you want. Make it say hello, it'll say hello. Make it say goodbye, it'll say goodbye. The minute you tell it to, right or wrong. <laughs> Make it say hello, hello right now, over and over again, inside. Saying it, isn't it? You can create thoughts. Your mind creates thoughts. That's what a mind is. We know what a body is. What is a mind? It is a thing in the universe that creates thoughts. It's a thought-creating machine. You need to understand this, just like you understand your body reasonably, how to feed it, what happens, and so on. You need to understand how you use your mind, just like how you use your body. But we're not taught this, and we don't deal with this. So your mind is an instrument, an appliance. I like it to be an appliance. My mind's an appliance, like a blender or something, except it's a thought-creating appliance. If I tell it to, if I use my will, I can make it do whatever I want. Period. I can make it visualize what I want. I can make it say what I want, at least for a moment. And so can you. Every single person, if I tell them, tell their mind to say hello inside, their mind is going to say hello. It may not last very long. It may get distracted by something. But you have the ability to make your mind create the thought that you want. Yeah, I like how he said that, how the mind is an instrument. Well, it's so so well said because we're all walking around identifying with our minds and saying, oh, this is who I am. I'm an introvert. 
Because in my head, I say I don't want to go outside, you know, and go to the movie theater or go to a bar or go to a club. So I'm an introvert. So now I'm going to associate or my mind, I'm going to associate only with introvert thoughts. Anything that's not an introverted thought, that's not me. Yeah. That's such bullshit. <laughs> Guys, well, it, it, you, you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. we were we put ourselves in these tiny little boxes. We we are telling ourselves what we are and what we're not based on our thoughts. And as Frank and I discussed earlier in this episode, you were a host. So half of the thoughts that are even coming in, they, they didn't come from you, from your higher self. No, these were thoughts out in the ether that you know popped into your head. And you had the in uh, you had the the choice the ability to attach to them or to not attach to them, and so you're identifying attaching to these thoughts and saying this is who I am. Yeah, and you can easily do that with a whole new set or series of thoughts. Yeah, or like look at like the uh, fractal understanding of it. Like when people identify, so if you look at your um, your higher self as looking at your body. And your body's just um, another instrument. It's like your body now looking at a cell phone. Look at how many people are getting trapped into their identification of cell phone. They they put the certain color uh, screen on it. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they completely identify, identify with it. And when they lose it, they lose their mind. Mm-hmm. I'm like, but know this. When you look at it as a piece of technology and use it as such, it's a brilliant tool. Okay, I put the apps in which I'm going to use on. No one does it for me. All right? So I'm choosing that. So I put in my mind what I want to program as far as habitual aspects. I learn the English language. If I need to learn another language, I use the mind to do that. And in the moment in which I need the language, I pop it up. I don't sit there and think about it. I don't have to learn English language every day, even though I probably should work on it. (laughs) (laughs) We all should. Yeah, we should. But um, so I keep... um, and. In the practice of me doing uh, the programming, I be, I'm present in that. I'm not thinking about it. I'm just adding to it. But I only draw from that in the moment in which I need it. Like I don't walk around. Like police officers don't walk around with their guns in their hands. They draw them in the moment in which they need it. All right? That is how the, we use the efficiency of it. But we don't just blur it out and have the mind keep going and going and going and going. You, like when you're not using your cell phone, you, you don't necessarily turn it off, but you tune it down. In other words, I have all the apps not running, so it, it saves energy. But if I had everything open, all of a sudden, like, why is my battery on my phone dying by noon? So you have all these apps open. And that's them down. why our energy levels just keep, die by. It keeps going. Yeah. Well, we think about like you, have, you can have a great night rest. You can get eight, nine, even ten hours of sleep. And then you can wake up the next morning and still feel tired. And that has nothing to do with the amount of hours you slept or your rest or, you know, if you're waking up at night or not. No, 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 no. You have depleted your energy from the, from you overusing the mind. Yeah. That's what it, that's what it's too much thinking. You are thinking too much and you are depleting the energy that you have and you need to go in and and, uh, you take like count of this, take stock of it, take inventory of this energy. And so when something comes up in the news or something like that, and it's the story of the day or a story of the week, you can allow that to take your energy, you know, and to begin to deplete your energy. And trust me, this is what the, the media wants because they're, you know, 
two minutes later when they get to the commercial break, they've got the well, product. Then, then they're gonna, sell, yeah, they're selling Red Bull. <laughs> they're going to sell <laughs> you, you know, that's going to pick you back up or give you what you were looking yeah. for or save you. So keep this in mind. You'll, when you wake up, you start to see, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm personally giving my energy away to all of these different things that I don't need to. Essentially, you're the one creating the very problem which you think you have. Yeah, and Michael said this in the last clip. Yeah. You are the problem. Yeah, you are until the, you yeah. can until you can have the maturity and and that 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 level of awareness to know that you are responsible for everything that's going on in your world right now. Um you ha- you have not woken up to this dream. You you you're still very much so caught in the cycle. If you're pointing your finger right now and saying, you know, if if only I had different parents or if only I was brought up in a different culture or if only I was done this. And you're pretty much screwed if you're saying that. Well, you, you know what I mean? But it's back always and, yeah. somebody outside yeah. of you's fault. If if, yeah. if if you're not taking responsibility for everything in your life. And guys, this was the big moment for me because I, you know, it was always somebody else's fault. Yeah. Until I took responsibility for everything, that's that's when I, I woke up to this and went, oh, my God. I've been running these bullshit narratives in my head my whole life, and I was living by these thoughts. You know, this type of person acts this way. This is what women want. This is what um, men expect. This is what all these different things that have been force-fed to me my whole life that I thought was me. Because my thoughts were that. No, I realize I'm not my thoughts. In fact, I, in fact, I get to choose the thoughts, and I can let go of any thought at any moment. That that's when things change for me. Yeah, if you act it out, you you feel like you're your thought. But um, yeah, like I I run into this. I've done this to myself. Someone actually in the, in many years ago did this to me, and it woke me up. And I do this now for my clients when they're like not feeling good. I'm like, just do me. Do me, give me a, you know, do me a favor. Close your eyes, okay? And I walk them through a breathing technique, and I do that. And afterwards, right when they open up, how do you feel? Like I feel better. I'm like, you just did that, so don't tell me you're not in control. It's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you just slowed, uh, you just stopped your way of thinking by looking at your breath. Because if I'm looking at my breath, I can't, can't uh, give the mind any. Yeah, I can't think. I'm not giving the mind any um, attention to its thinking. But so the fact that I had the capacity to do that, I don't need to close my eyes in order to do this. I actually have control. And what do they do is I, I ask them to let go of what they're thinking about right now, close their eyes and take deep breaths. And so what they did is they surrendered in that moment and they felt good until the mind revved up again. But I'm like, well, who's allowing that to happen? It's not happening to you. You're happening. You're you're allowing it. You're happening to yourself. So every time when it was done to me, I was like, "Wow, I actually, my higher self does have control." I'm like, "Yeah, it does." But the control is letting go, not strangling it. Not, you know, if you have noise in your head, blasting music <laughs> is it going to help? You know, it let, doesn't call, drown call it, it letting go or call it accepting it. They're both the same. Yeah, you're letting go of of the hold, meaning whatever the feeling that you have from it, you can let your shoulders down, you can untighten your jaw, you can focus on that in breath, you can feel the out breath. Yeah, and then everything really it, it, it it's it's not as tight. And yeah, and when you actually get in that state, whatever whatever um, task you had to uh, do, all of a sudden your 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 machine 
Because if I had to make a phone call, if I have 1% on my phone, good luck with that call. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a quick one. So I want my, my phone to always be at a high charge. So I don't have to worry about plugging in or running to power it up. So I take care of it. And if you take care of yourself, whatever situation, circumstance you're in, you'll actually respond to it brilliantly. It, you're, you're, what, preparing life is getting into the state. Not trying to reorder or reorganize the outside world. Re-or- you won't reorganize the outside world. You just put another ripple in the very water which you're trying to make smooth. I'm like, it's ridiculous. You know, trying to stop a wave just makes another wave. <laughs> it doesn't mm-hmm. make the water. Just sit back, let it go, let it unfold and see what happens. You start to see the lake start to simmer. All right? I love that. Yeah. Let's dive into this, this next clip that you got. Give me a list of what interests you most in this world. And you do the list, and I create a hologram like you've never seen. And I set up a room that when you walk in, that's what's there. Wherever you turn, all the things you said that interest you, you're not leaving the room. There's nothing there. It's a hologram. It doesn't matter. Since that's what interests you, and I made it very easy for you to project outside by giving you the stimuli, then what you're going to have going on inside of you is what interests you. Therefore, you will leave the room. So you are affirming the falseness, and that's Maya. That's how you stay caught. What has happened is everything is here, nothing is here. So it's called the everything and the nothing. What is the lake? Nothing. Everything. Whatever you reflect in it, it is. Don't reflect in anything, it's nothing. You bring into this world what is inside of you, and it reflects you really well, doesn't it? If you think somebody loves you, Gee, they act like they do, don't they? If you think somebody doesn't love you, then they don't. Those little things you look for that prove that they do, they're never there, are they? They don't open the door anymore, and they don't ask this, and they don't do that, and they don't say the I love you at exactly the right tone, and you never close your eyes anymore when I kiss you. You're doing it. As long as you have something inside of you that wants or doesn't want, that has personal The world is such a perfect reflector of your personal that that's what you will see. And since that's what you see, by definition, that's what you're interested in. Therefore, by definition, you will not go to God. You will stay in the room where you got put, where you're seeing that which interests you. The only difference between that and getting out is you, is letting go of relating to things in a personal way. So real spirituality in the beginning, in the end, is always that. There is no other teachings, period. There is nothing else. You have to die to be reborn. It's that simple. You must be willing to let go of your personal self in order to merge with the universal self. That I love that point. So that's what I was thinking about. So if you have a preference, where did it come from? Because it came from when you didn't have a non-preference and experienced something. Right, the first time a kid climbed a tree, they didn't know have a preference to climb a tree. All of a sudden, they climb a tree and they felt good. All of a sudden, now they have a preference to climb a tree, and they're always looking for that same feeling from the tree, and they're never going to get it. So when you let go, because that's what it is, is we're like, oh my god, I went to this restaurant, and had a great time. I'm like, you went to that restaurant for the first time, and had a great time because you didn't have any preference about that restaurant. It was so much else going on that you would detach from it. Now, when you go to the restaurant the second, third time. 
The waiter didn't look at me the same way they looked at me last time. You stop picking up on these weird things. Well, they're made up. Yeah, they are. But they, they're they made up because of the previous time where you didn't necessarily have the preference. And that's you comparing this and, time from yes. last time. That's what the mind does. You can't do that. We, we compare. We measure. We judge. Yeah. And when you slow down the act of comparison, you have a brilliant life. Yes, there's a storm, there's a hurricane, a tornado. You know, so what? It comes, it goes. And you live a brilliant life. Like, just try this. Like, there are people that, like, I know I've read stories about people in prison. They're in prison and they realize they're not getting out and they surrender and they have these brilliant moments that they talk about. I'm like, how can someone have a brilliant moment in prison? Well, it's happening all over the yeah, place. Yeah, if you read um, Nelson Mandela. Yeah, well, yes. Thank you. Great book. I mean, uh, you know, he's, he wrote about that. Also to uh, Viktor Frankl. Um, you know, he was in Auschwitz. You know, um, it's one of the books that came out of that, that time during the um, the Nazi regime where when you're looking, you know, a man's search for meaning, I was like, you like, how did this guy find love in that place when he was being tortured the way he was? Because he detached from it. That's it. And when you, I'm like, wow. I'm like, if that guy... <laughs> If that guy could find love, in, you know, in that, but how can I not see, at a restaurant that the, I don't like? See how how what the the grip of the mind that has on us, like we Frank and I, and we can all agree, like, oh, how could you really find like true love, peace, joy when you're in prison? And and we still we're kind of like, oh yeah, that that's probably just a degree of 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 love or degree of, but but it's not true. It's not full. And I'm telling you right now, these are some of the most impactful moments of these two gentlemen that we just brought up's lives, where they wouldn't trade that for anything because of the amount of love that they felt in those situations and like true meaning and purpose, et cetera. We're so quick to judge a situation and say, oh, that's not how I pictured in my head. So there's no way it could give me that sense of fulfillment. And we don't know that. We yeah. don't know that until we completely surrender. Like, I don't know how to explain this, but I mean, like, I I have felt it many times in my life in situations where I'm like, never would this, uh, I think this situation or this series of events could give me that sense of fulfillment and love that I'm experiencing. But after experiencing that, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. And we are tenacious beings. That's why. But like when you look at the two uh, gentlemen, Victor Frankl and uh, Nelson Mandela, um, especially Nelson Mandela in the beginning, he was very angry. Um, mm-hmm. But then he realized his anger is going to kill me. And when he surrendered to love, his stay in prison became a lot different, um, a, a tremendously a lot different. And so, okay, yeah, when you're when you're up against the wall, you leave with less choices. Out in this world, we're we're told we have all these uh, choices. <laughs> we're in the we're in a prison. Yeah. yeah well, we're, yeah, it's a the, mental prison. Yeah, it is a mental prison. But when we actually, you know, we, okay, okay, I'm going to choose this. Oh, that didn't work. Let's choose this. Okay. You know, how many different flavor bagels do you have to, to eat before you realize you don't really like bagels? <laughs> well, maybe you do like bagels, but you're trying to find the best bagel. I'm like, the best bagel is the one you're eating at the moment in which you're in. Well, uh, I mean, that, uh, yeah. who, who's to say that the, the guy in the prison, you know, he doesn't have to wake up and think about making any food. He doesn't have to wake up, think about buying any food. I no. mean, he's he's, worry about he's, he's quite <laughs> seriously. <laughs> he's quite free, you know. Where well, we, we we've been taught, we've been taught, 
that okay we're we're given freedoms right we're, we're we live in this yeah, freedom that, world that's, you that's know? more of a certainty not a freedom yeah you yeah, know what i mean yeah. you know what i mean yeah. but at the end of the day like these freedoms that we're talking about like how free are you oh. if you're a slave to that nine to five and if you don't go to that nine to five for two weeks you can't afford to pay that electrical bill or that mortgage that you're you know that keeps shelter for your family and keeps heat on or cold air on Okay, so yeah, now we live in Arizona. It's cold air. Yeah, we need cold air. <laughs> you know, like if people, I like, can't keep the heat on. It's yeah. most people in the world, like, and we're all like, "Hey, in Arizona, like, just keeping the heat on, cold on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> we don't need heat. Yeah, but it's it's we're not as free as we as the as this uh, media likes to paint. Well, you know yeah. that we are. You know that no, we're very much, very much slaves to this economic system. And as soon as we wake up to that. That's when we start letting go of all these misconceptions and all these narratives, and no longer are we are we slaves to the to the mind. We we are now taking back our power, taking back our true freedom. And so, like this clip right here, I love because it's called "Look into the Lake of Life." So we have this uh, screen, this field, this experience that we're calling reality. Call it God. Call it reality. Call it whatever the ether but we're experiencing this lake of life and this lake shows us a reflection depending on what our consciousness is focused on where we put attention is when we make wave form into particle it goes from wave to particle through the observation this is what the double split experiment has shown us this is what physics has proven so we are able to make something real simply with our thought our thought alone and observation and observation yeah, yeah good point with observation so we can yeah. look into this screen and observe for anything we want we can observe for love or we can observe for hate and we will find both well, you that's say, how this lake of life works you get to speak interesting you know, it's another that's allowing layer. it yeah. to unfold, and <laughs> yeah, it you does. know, yeah. Um, let's check out the next. I thought that was a good clip. That yeah, was a great clip, man. Spirituality and the spiritual path is way more simple than people make it. In fact, it's the most simple thing that you can do with your life. Everything else is just complicating the issue. What you will see eventually, and it's true of everybody all the time is if you will look clearly inside yourself, what you will see is that you want to be okay. That's what you want. It's so simple to say it that way. I want to be okay. What does that mean? I want to be okay. I want to feel right inside. I want to feel love. I want to feel joy. I want to feel enthusiasm. I want to feel strength. I want to feel well-being. That is so innate. It's just like your body wants to feel well. Nobody wants to have aches and pains and be sick and things with their body. They want to feel invigorated. They want to feel strong. They want to feel right. It's exactly the same except actually stronger with your psychological being, with your spiritual being. You want to feel high. You want to feel well. You want to feel right. It is so obvious and it is so simple, but nobody will see that. Nobody will own that. They own all these other things that they want. 
I want to get married. I want to have a car. I want people to respect me. I want to look better. I want, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's just millions and billions of things that they say they want. And they also have all these things that they say they don't want. Eventually you go very quickly and you see that wants and don't wants are the same. They're just like light and dark are the same. They're just variances in the spectrum of light. You stretch out the wavelength of light, colors change. If you want, you can get all hung up on the colors, or you can say, this is the light spectrum. So there is this spectrum of feelings, of states of being that you can have inside. They can go from very dark to very light. You don't like the dark, and you like the light. It's just, it's very easy. So liking and disliking are just different degrees of wanting to be okay. Eventually you just see it all as the same. I like the way you said that. Me too. Cause we talked about that too. Like we, a lot of times people talk in this, the world of duality, that there are opposites and there really aren't any opposites, but just in different degrees of the same thing. And we talked about that, that there's yeah. only love and everything yeah, so, is on that spectrum yeah, of yeah, love. Yeah, so love will be the whole um, understanding of the energy that's out there. So love is all energy flowing through us without with any resistance based on where we're at. But yet fear and courage are the same. It's just a different degree. Just like I used this before, temperature, 80 degrees and 20 degrees aren't opposites. They're just different degrees of temperature. So um, there is no absolute darkness. There's no absolute light, so to speak. Or everything comes from light. It's just different degrees of light create what we think is darkness. Same thing with love. And we start to understand the physics behind that. You just let go. And it's like, okay, this thing's happening. So what? It's me saying it shouldn't have happened that's creating the turmoil, not the actual thing that's happening. And it's a very simple concept, but we have to let go inside and ask the question, why is this upsetting me? And you'll be like, because this is what happened, this shouldn't happen, so, so on and so forth. And then when you're done with that answer, say, okay, why does that bother you? Well, because when Mary looked at me and made me sad, why is Mary looking at you this way make you sad? Because in the third grade, why in the third grade? And you go to, you get to a point where you, you have no answer because it somewhere was made up and you attach to it. And instead of letting it go, we grabbed onto it and created a pattern inside our body. So next time something like that happens, it hits us. You know, one of, um, in, in his book, I'm trying to think it was uh, The Untethered Soul, I believe. He uses an ex example, which I thought was brilliantly about a thorn. Okay. So he says, imagine life like you got a thorn in your side. And say on the side of your back or whatever. And you, instead of pulling it out, you just keep it there. And over time, you get, you get used to it. But then you rub up against something and it sticks you. All right, and like, oh, every time I lay on my side, it sticks me. So then you create some apparatus. So now you put this apparatus around your body, but now you find out you can only sleep uh, sitting up because you have to have, have this apparatus. So 
as time goes on, instead of pulling the thorn out, you're actually working around the thorn. Now you're no longer sleeping on your back. You're sitting up sleeping. You can't go on a date with someone if you're dead. And you have to make sure they're lefty because it's on, the thorn's on my right-hand side, and they have to stay here. So all of a sudden, you're creating this world around this thorn. If you just pulled out, you would need an apparatus, and the pain would go away. But instead of pulling out, we just bury it by putting apparatuses around us, creating the world, do this, do that. Next thing you know, you're like, you know what? I'm not leaving the house. Because I have this thorn. That's a great example. And he he explains it brilliantly. I just I chopped it up there for uh, time purposes, but those, that's what that's, we're doing. That's all we're doing. It's a yeah. thorn. Pull it out. Get rid of it. So the thorn's the mind, the thinking mind, and, and it, we're all dancing around this thinking mind, saying, yeah. "All right, in order to, you know, I'm going to feel better if I just go and get that." Uh, that, that workout machine. I can't tell you guys how many times my family bought workout machines growing up that they didn't fucking use. Like, I think there, everybody had a Norda track in their house that never got used. But like, we have these ideas of things that are going to you know work for us and, and do this. And the mind is that thorn. And until we, we let go of, the, of that thorn, until we take that thorn out of the situation, we're going to constantly be tiptoeing around the mind. That's what you're tiptoeing around that thorn. And, um, and that's, we, we all essentially know that's not the way to live, but we actually think we don't have the capacity or the ability to pull the thorn. And that's not true. When you just sit with yourself and let go of any feeling, I don't care, like, I don't care how miserable you are. You don't remain miserable forever. You don't. And actually, the, the first sign of misery, then you, you get through the day and then it comes up again. The time spans short. They shorten how long you're miser- miserable for. <laughs> but what happens is they replicate more often. <laughs> so the time of what we consider to be peaceful is shorter. And the, the misery. But you wouldn't know you were miserable unless you had onsites of freedom. And Typically, what the freedom part is, is dissipating, disappearing. Like when we were children, we didn't know enough to think about too many things. We just did it. So it's that child mind, the childlike state that Jesus talked about getting back into. And we can do that by surrendering and letting go. You know nothing. Just like when I was nine, I knew very little. But it didn't matter. If I went to the woods, went to the playground, or were just you know, sitting on the curb with my friends, I had the most magnificent time. I didn't judge it based on what did we do, you know? Like, everyone's like, oh, we were always out doing stuff. Half the time, we were just sitting leaning on a tree, mm-hmm. you know? We really were. We, like, we were physically active. I'm like, <laughs> like when I really think, and again, my, my memory isn't great, but I remember most of the time just sitting, leaning against a tree or sitting on a fence post or sitting on a curb and just being in the moment, whatever came out of my mouth came out of my mouth, you know. It, mm-hmm. You know, kind of like right now in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Karen. I'm sitting on a fence. Yeah, sorry, Karen, exactly. <laughs> whatever but, comes out, comes out. Yeah, she knows that. That's why she married me. <laughs> I don't know if that's why she married me. But, but it, there's something nice about it. There's something genuine about it. But I really don't know. You know, I don't know. And, and the more the I, problem is we all think we do know. Yeah, I used to think I knew. And now I realize I don't. I don't know. But like, th- ask yourself. Take, take stock of this at home. Say, like, do I already say to myself, oh, I know what this weekend's going to bring. I already know what this afternoon at work's like. I already know what I'm going to feel like. I already know what lunch is going to taste like. I already – we say this a lot. And, and we're already judging every situation, saying, I know how I'm going to feel after going to work and after a long week. Oh, I know I'm going to be exhausted this weekend. Yeah. 
do you know? Or are you looking into the lake of life and telling yourself what you want to see reflected? Because unconsciously, that's what you're doing. You're looking into the lake of life and saying, I know I'm going to be tired four days or whatever times 24 hours, whatever number of hours is that's, I'm going to be that. And you're going to find that and you're going to see that because that's how the lake of life works. That's how this reflection works. Yeah, it's, it's true. And what I do know is when I stop knowing, I actually end up knowing more. It's a paradox, but it really Absolutely. is. So the world we live in, in this uh, different way of looking at it, of surrender is it's this and that, not or. So dark or light, what would you rather be in? Well, it's dark and light. Like, well, what do you mean? Well, due to contrast um, in certain it's situations. Dark. But I, I'm like, in certain situations, the situations occur. I'm just okay with it. I'm fine with it, you know, at least most of the time. I get caught up in it once in a while. I hear my mind racing, but I have techniques now just to kind of like, oh, that's just. <laughs> when the mind's racing, it's like a. Being in second gear, and never yeah. So how fast can you how fast can you go in second gear without revving up the engine? Maybe what like thirty miles an hour? Sure. You know, so you'll be thirty. That's the thought. Now your life is stuck at thirty miles an hour. Meanwhile, you have six gears in your car, and you can't get past second because you know you're going to blow the engine. So you just travel at thirty miles an hour, and that's Wait. where ninety five percent of the world's at. I'm well, just going to go to my nine to five. I'm not going to cause trouble. I'm not going to, you know, it's, I, I'm going to slowly creep through life because this is how I was told and taught, yeah. you know, this is the right way. Well, this is what society shows me every day on the news. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I'm being a good little consumer in this spinning wheel. Yeah. And that's it. So like, you know, go to your job, watch the news, but detach from it, you know? And if, you know, after a while, like, you know, watching news becomes uh, seemingly laughable. Well, it does. I don't, but I don't necessarily laugh at it, but it's not something I need. Like, what's in front of me right now is all I need. Well, you start to see through it. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Like, I, I can't yeah, now turn the new, on the news. The narrative not... of the news now is, is what, how should I think about that thing? Exactly. I'm like, no, I'm like, I, I'll think about it any way I want. And all the information I need to get comes up somehow if I do need it. If, it. if it's not in front of me now, it means I don't need it right now. And it's weird. We've like even developed like a new name for this. I forgot what it was, but they call it like – it's like opinion news or something. Like the, yeah. these like Foxes and these CNNs, like they're opinion news anchors is like what they're calling them because they, they're, they're they only are, are you know phrasing it from one side. And so rather than saying, hey, we're not news – <laughs> yeah. And this is a, a bullshit narrative that I'm feeding you. I'm going to call it opinion news. Yeah. And, pe and people watch. <laughs> what? Yeah. People what? watch. Yeah. People watch the news thinking they need to be informed. But that would be no. just like walking around with your refrigerator on your back because, you know, you're going to be hungry later. I'm like, <laughs> that's good I'm like, like, you don't need to carry it with you. I'm like, you know, there's places when you're hungry, you find the place in which you go. And in that moment, it satisfies that moment. But I don't carry it around with me every moment. That, I'm glad you bring that up because that's one of the biggest things uh, that people say. Oh, I got to be informed. I'm, I'm, I'm an informed citizen. You don't want to be informed? Get out of here, man. Informed you're, about what? Yeah. You're, you're holding yourself to this very weird self-identity, this very weird identity that you've created and, and you'll cultivated. Fight for. And you're fighting for it. And the problem is, is what happens if you have an identity and someone comes out there and says something against your identity, it puts you up in arms. And now this person, you were, you were whistling down the street, walking your dog, everything's fine, and all of a sudden, did you hear what so-and-so said? And now the world's up in 
like, oh my God, one person said something and everyone's up in arms. I can't believe that. And I'm like, one person's word took down a whole community. I'm like, wow. I'm like, maybe we should rethink about how, who takes us down. Mm-hmm. Again, um, you know, I'm, I, I, I respond to those things as well. And, but when it dings me, I'm like, oh shit, boom, pull the thorn out. Don't yep. need it no more. So it's not that you're going to get not snagged, but now I no longer create an apparatus around my thorn. I just pull the damn thing out. And, you know, it hurts for a second, but, uh, you know, it, it's a lot worse hurt, uh, hurtful to my life if I put an apparatus around it and I can't do much. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, I, I might as well just stay at home. There's apparatus, I can't drive my car with it. There's all these things, and this is where these neuroses come from. Mm-hmm. Neuroses are just like they keep cutting down their life. Based on what they have, I, I can't drive because I have this thing. And going this is on. the majority of where sickness stems from. Yeah, we know? all have it. Actually, because all of the, like when you look at the world, like you know, everyone's neurotic. But if my neuroses isn't as much as the person next to me, I seem to be normal. <laughs> That's, so it's a comparative aspect because mental illness is a comparative aspect. How someone, if this person can conduct themselves around other people, they're not mentally ill. But if they start acting out, they're mentally ill. I'm like, so it's based on comparison, not actually are they mentally ill. Because there are people who have been accused of mentally ill because the, the, the main senses of people acted this way. And then one day, like, people are like, that was the most sane person in the whole community. You know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, his name was Jesus or Moses yep. or, um, you know, Muhammad. All of a sudden, it's like, wow, like people weren't, you know, they didn't click onto it and all of a sudden they were there was something wrong with them we have to get rid of them and all of a sudden you realize yeah oh. be careful wow yeah. you like, know wow. yeah I, my whole life i've been running with the crowd saying this is normal the mob and then the, and then this weird jesus guy comes around speaking the complete opposite of yeah. what i've been saying and what i've been told <laughs> and we burn them at the stake and then we find out, oh, come come to find out, everything this gentleman was discussing was the truth to our freedom. Yeah, and and again, getting back to the principle, too, because he would have said this, too. But you, you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't praise the person. You praise the information which the person's revealing. And that's the sanctity, this, uh, sanctity of all this thing. Like a Michael Singer is presenting information. Um, he, he himself doesn't want to be praised. No one wants to be praised. It's kind of aggravating, right? right. If you praise, all of a sudden you're... You're, you're, it's because that's the identity. That's not you. No, no. But the information is true. What I do with the information, what Mike does with the information, what Michael Singer does with the information is differently. But when we surrender, we have this sense of freedom experience. And all of a sudden life becomes joyous regardless of what's going on. See, Jesus could come down right now and, and begin to share, be share this podcast? information. <laughs> Hell yeah, he would sit right here. Hell, and he would be yeah. really excited too. Yeah. Like, Guys, you, I was looking forward to this. If Jesus was here right now, what would you ask him? <laughs> oh man, I, I would actually ask a bunch of stuff. How is Joseph as a stepdad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But if, if Jesus were to come down right now and start saying, guys, guys, whoa, what's going on? I, I never told anybody that they couldn't be gay. I never told anybody this. What, what, what are all, why are my weird words being twisted on me? We would have people in different factions around this planet and Earth going, "He's wrong. That's not the real Jesus. Kill him." We would crucify the poor man again. Well, yeah. And it's because anything that goes against the mob mentality, our we have been taught is wrong. Yeah. And so until we realize we have to go against, we have to turn away from what we've been told and conditioned and beaten into our whole lives to find true salvation. We, we have won't. to let, we don't have to go against it. We just have to let go of it. 
Yeah, that's a good way to say it. you don't want to go against anything yeah, you no, go against. No, you're going to attract more of exactly. You're just, you're just going to be on the other side. It, yeah. you, you, you know, like a fascist. There's people like that. They're like they have this Antifa group came out. Um, I don't know if they're still around, but they're called the anti-fascist group. And then when you see how they were acting, they actually total became, fascist. They became fascist. I'm like, what's the definition? So if you just dropped it and let go of it, you would just be in this nice neutral place where you actually then can actually help society. You can actually help people overcome things because. Um, people are going to act poorly, but then when they overcome that, they, you know, their poor act will teach them how to act. And it's usually because they're trying to hold on to something that someone told them to defend. You know, the, the largest army is, it becomes the moral standpoint of society. It has because it had more people to it. That's what made the moral compass. Well, think about where you, us as Americans, we went over into other, uh, you know, parts of this world. We've done this our whole existence and we've told people, you're not behaving the way you should. You must behave like we do. <laughs> and we actually created America because we didn't like that being told when we were in England. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the, the people came over in the early 1600s, um, the pilgrims, they came over because they didn't like the tyranny of the way it was run by religion. So they were like, I'm out of here. And then, but it's a human psyche, so we can't blame particular humans because everyone's done this. It's in a human psyche. But when we surrender to it, that's why we always get we always get really weird when we create groups and peoples and religions and colors and that and that. I'm like every human being, man and woman, I'm like, we all have the same attributes. Every human being could surrender and everyone could grab arms against something. I'm like, it doesn't matter what color you are, or what race you are, or what gender you are. When you do that, it's it creates a fight now what happens is if there's more people on my side it makes me feel good momentarily but i'm like really because every, every after every war broke out and every war ended the people that were warring ended up fighting somewhere or the soldiers then learned to find peace with that within the state of peace they had to do that or else they would just fight amongst themselves and this keeps replicating but wow like how do i come to peace i'm like well that's that's an inward game you know, again, if I'm not against or for anything, I'm not going to criticize that person's journey either because then I'm against or for it. So if I'm listening to something, I'm like, oh, that person messed up. I'm like, well, I'm I'm for something. But when I actually do that, I'm like, it's interesting. It doesn't mean you don't. And then I live my life this way incongruent with the society in which I'm in. There's a way to do that without actually being for or against something or I'm for peace. But peace doesn't mean that person over there did it wrong. I don't know. I really don't know. But I know the feeling in my body. No one could tell me that is wrong. I like this feeling. And when I, when I, there were times when I thought I was right. Intellectually, everyone thought I was right and they listened to me, but it felt bad inside me because I know it was only a half truth that I was trying to diminish somebody else's truth with it, and I had the ability intellectually and argumentatively to explain that. But I didn't like the way it felt. I'm like, I didn't like that. And turns out, if you put me on the other side long enough, I would come up with a greater argument. And I realized, okay, this is a crazy game we're playing. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that game, we, we call it life. We call it reality. Yeah, we call we're, it reality. One of my favorite things, guys, about Michael Singer is his story of the surrender experiment. And if there's something we can leave you with after this episode, it is the the just the overarching, you know, idea of surrender. 
And that's not giving in and allowing bad things to happen or allowing things that you normally wouldn't slide or anything like that. It's just accepting the situation for exactly what it is and uh, not trying to change it, not trying to create a mental narrative about why this ought to be a different way or how this could be better or, you know, what needs to come next, but just simply being in that moment and surrendering to whatever's going on. Um, and that's how we do that. And that's how we truly change the world. Yeah. We truly change the world by, by choosing that. Because, you know, if a car's coming at you, get the hell out of the way. Exactly. But once a car passes you, you don't have to walk around thinking you almost were killed. Mm-hmm. Like, because that doesn't serve you any purpose. You know, and so it's not, you don't become just completely sticking your head in the sand. You don't become like a doormat. No, the opposite, actually. You become more responsive. And in that state of responsive, you'll know how to handle any problem that's in front of you. Because there are problems out there. I'm not denying there's problems. But by throwing a rock at someone who threw the rock at me isn't going to solve the problem. Because eventually they're going to come back with two more of their buddies and throw three rocks at me. And I'm like, I, you know, at one point do we end up throwing rocks? How that's do I it. deal with it? Like, okay. Why don't I become their friend? Then we don't have to throw rocks at each other. We can build a, you know, we can build a house with those rocks. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is nice. Let's take these rocks that we used to throw at each other and build a house with it. All oh. be comfortable. Yeah. They're brilliant. All right. This was a great episode, guys. We appreciate you joining us for this week. Um, Michael Singer has some some content online. Frank, what was the thing you were sharing with me that you did? You purchased something of his? Oh, yeah. He has a surrender experiment. Um would you suggest program? Oh yeah, give that a try. Yeah, it's like an eight-hour course. Um, you go on, you go to Michael Singer, I believe dot com. It's on his website, and it's a course. I've taken it. I I'm actually halfway through it, uh, doing it again because it's something, you know. You learn something every time you do. Oh, it, absolutely. Something and new. he walks you through it. Um, each each episode, there's eight of them. Each one is roughly an hour, so about eight hours. I remember the first time I did, it, I think I did it in a weekend. So, um, and I was, I would sit down on my couch and listen to it and he's got a little video watching it, but you let these ideas and concepts absorb into my head. Obviously I had written his, I had already read a couple of his book, um, a couple of his books, but both of his books at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I was familiar with this, but it just deepens every time because I, there's still, I still have thorns all over my body. We all do. Now I'm taking the apparatus off and I'm pulling the thorns out is really what I'm doing. So when something hits me, instead of because when something hits me like this is we haven't mentioned this but when something hits me all of a sudden like if someone criticizes me my mind will like hey that person's a moron why do you care how they're criticizing you that does not help people because that just puts another apparatus around because if I find somebody else that criticizes me that I believe is smarter than me I am screwed yep you know, and I don't even know this person criticized me. You know, all of a sudden I'm running in my head. They're an idiot. They're this. They're, I'm like, I don't know who they are. Yeah. You know, and but yet I'm creating another apparatus by creating my mind is working for me. Then my mind's going to turn on me and be like, well, maybe they are smarter than you. <laughs> like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, the lake of life got this, me again. Yeah, it got me again. So... The, <laughs> So yeah, I, I uh, highly suggest checking out his uh, program. It's, he walks you through it. It's about an eight-hour course. You could do it one one hour a week. You could do it at whatever pace you want. Um, I did it in a weekend, which I found really uh, 
uh, found exciting. Good yeah, pace. Good. Yeah. Well, check that out, guys. Also, take a look at the two d- top bestsellers. You know, uh, Untethered Soul and then the Surrender Experiment. Those two books really p- help put him on the map with what you know uh, these uh, consciousness topics that we're talking about. Um, if you like what you heard, guys, please subscribe at the link below. If you have any questions, you can reach Frank and I at PerspectiveShift2020 at gmail.com. Other than that, uh, we hope everyone has a great Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> and we will see you guys next week for our follow-up episode. All right. Peace out. Thanks, guys.